0: Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by KeepKey. The easy, safe, and simple way to protect your Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and many other digital assets. There's no time like the present to protect yourself from hackers, malware, and viruses. Visit KeepKey.com to order your secure hardware wallet today and use the code Humanist10 for a limited time 10% discount. And I also have a Patreon, and on that people pay me money, you know, for food or cheese or saltines or whatever. But you know what? I don't want your filthy nation-state fiat. I would, however, take your five-star reviews, though. Um, so if you like the show, please rate it on iTunes or Google Play or whatever. Uh, I really would appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Hello, everybody. So in today's episode, we chat with Suna Amhas, the CEO of Token Daily, and two big things kind of come out one is it's fascinating to hear her talk about how she curates good stories in this world of distributed trust and then two um the token daily and her exist in in between these various crypto communities like bitcoin and ethereum etc which are generally very polarized so it's interesting to hear her talk about how to have her balanced perspective and balanced mindset while still having strong opinions um so with that hope you enjoy this episode Hello, everybody. My name is Rieslin Mark, and you're listening to another episode of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future. In this podcast, we take a systems thinking approach to doing good in the world. And we have a couple of different series that focus on the s- different system scopes. And today we're focusing on Series A, Macro Systems, where we ask the question, where are we as humanity headed? Um, and to chat about that, I'm very happy to introduce Suna Amhas to the show. Suna is a co-founder and CEO of Token Daily, a site that surfaces the signal from the noise in crypto. Suna, thanks for being on the show and welcome.
0: Thanks for having me. I feel very welcome to
1: Sweet, good. <laughs> um, and the fun thing with this is, actually, when I started this podcast uh, last year sometime, I was thinking a lot about the attention economy and how it, how to do signal to noise more generally. And so I think that this kind of um, aligns a lot with that. So at a high level, though, could you give us like a high level overview of like what actually is Token Daily?
0: Yeah, so Token Daily, um, we launched it end of January. And from day one, our mission's always been to be the front page of the crypto net. And um, there are different verticals that go into that. Um, One of them includes servicing high quality news, specifically the ones that the community is discussing, featuring launches of new blockchain and crypto projects, um, updates from these bigger, more robust projects that ship and as well as uh, provide token analysis um, as well as uh, you know thought leadership pieces from influencers or rather thought leaders. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it, the people who are essentially you guys, I mean, it is cool when you just go to TokenDaily.co, you have both, uh, like, ask me any things that are happening, you have, um, you kind of do some syndicate pieces where people will write for you, and it'll be on Token Daily. And you also have, you have some kind of interesting, like, aggregator thing um, that kind of takes, it, it looks at, like, Reddit, and maybe uh, Twitter, and some other upvotes. How does that thing work that, it, like, combines a bunch of things to give, to, like, up, to up-prioritize to certain content?
0: Right, so the main feed um, is a little antithetical to the space in that we select certain users and certain contributors um, that have produced high-quality content consistently, that um, work on projects that have been vetted and diligenced by um, others in the community. Um, And we see the links in the posts that they're sharing. Um, We crawl Twitter, Reddit, and Hacker News, Um, to see if those links have been shared elsewhere and then aggregate the comments around them in several platforms. So that way, what's surfaced to you are the important um, links that are being discussed within the community um, and all the comments that uh, people have around um, the post
1: yeah got it interesting i'm surprised that you guys use hacker news actually because i feel like there's a little bit crypto in some ways it's like in i mean only in some ways but it was kind of built uh, outside of silicon valley to some extent like hacker news was the site of y combinator and that kind of epicenter of startup stuff um does, is hacker news i personally don't use it that much for my crypto world but is it still a, a relatively good crypto source
0: Right. So, uh, that's true. Um, all of the above to what you just said, but, uh, which is why you don't see hacker news comments come up frequently in the feed, but on mm-hmm. occasion, these, uh, high quality pieces on crypto that, uh, affect the tech community at large, um, things about, you know, uh, decentralized social apps like Mastodon, right. And what does this mean for the future of Twitter articles like that, that seem to affect the tech community at large will, Uh, occasionally make their way onto hacker news and um you'll see the comments around there and it's great to get perspectives from people who are not in the crypto space but are working on you know these centralized servers and working within the tech community because one you're eventually going to be you know the hope is that you're converting a lot of these builders and developers to uh the blockchain space and have them develop this more robust community um and then two, just to get their insight, right? We uh, tend to adopt this myopic view um, based on what we already know, and so to have these fresh eyes and people using raw reasoning and asking, "Does this make sense? Is this something people would use?" And introducing different um, areas of discipline like uh, design or UX focus as well are uh, are critical. And so I actually welcome and encourage um, you know input from various sources and Hacker News, although it doesn't come up frequently. When it does, it does have some gems.
1: Totally, yeah, I agree with that. I think that the uh, it is it is really nice when you go and read hacker news stuff about crypto because they're so they're very like healthily skeptical about it all. <laughs> you know, so you're like, ah, oh, thank God, you know, this is nice to read.
0: Yeah, healthily um, so skeptical, think, healthily being the the critical word here.
1: Hopefully, word there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, do you think so? When so, Token Daily as it is right now, um, it the front page of crypto. What it, Tell me more about like your long-term like mission or goals. Like what does this look like in three years, five years or 10 years?
0: Right. So um, our long-term goals, uh, there are a few. Um, Ultimately, we want to make it a friendlier space and the ability to really have the world buy in to um, blockchain and crypto and have it legitimized. Um, And the only way that's going to happen is if the space is more comprehensive and accessible to the mainstream. Um, right now they conflate it or tether it to um, uh, bad actors or like drug dealers, um, people doing the unsavory or having unsavory interests um, yeah. but in order to make it more understandable, make it more digestible and win some of um, these users over, um, it's going to, we're going to need to disinfect the space a little bit and shed some light <laughs> on what the good pro- like, you know, what the good use cases are, what the provoking high quality thought pieces look like, um, as opposed to leaving it to the user to scrounge, uh, you know, the dark alleyways of Reddit or, <laughs> or um, you know, subgroups of Twitter, um, which don't really paint a full picture and are pretty fragmented. Um, that said, uh, making it friendlier so we can onboard um mainstream to crypto, um, making it more accessible. Also improving the dialogue between um, people within the space. Um, it seems like we talk past each other a lot. Um, there isn't much, I, I don't see the thought exercise of, well, if my opponent or, you know, if my, you know, quote unquote, like adversary is true uh, or mm-hmm. is right, like, what does that look like? What well, is a world where, you know, uh, depths become the killer app, right? Tron. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, yeah, well, is a world in which the white paper is a copy and pasted from the file coin Actually, <laughs> actually works. Yeah, um, which I mean is a good thought exercise to have. So it's why um, you know, and we'll get to this, uh, I imagine, later on in the podcast. But uh, we don't tend to skew one way towards uh, the, you know the bitcoiners or the Ethereum maximalists, which is this term that I am seeing surfacing uh, often, or, you know, uh, even people that are truly focused on NFTs or whatnot, we keep a fairly balanced view um, to encourage discussions on both sides and surface to the other side what they might be missing, right, Um, and bridging bridging those gaps. Um, So, yeah, so making it uh, friendlier, more accessible, and really encouraging productive dialogue uh, are our main goals.
1: Yep, that makes sense. So let's stay on the dialogue one for a second. How do you imagine... Uh, I mean, it can just. Be, I feel like it's really tough. So to to encourage dialogue, sometimes with an example here being, um, the at the MIT Media Lab, they have uh, the digital currency initiative, and one of their um one of their folks, Corey Fields, just found this this bug within Bitcoin Cash, and he was very um like brave, uh, professional about it, and he like let them know about their bug, even though he works generally for Bitcoin. And then when they when they posted it live, then after they posted it on Twitter, someone said, "Yeah, this is okay, but really." Why is Corey working on BTC? He should instead be working on, you know, Bitcoin Cash. And it was like, and and for me, and I, you see those things all the time on crypto Twitter. So, how do you imagine trying to encourage dialogue?
0: Um, so I want to start uh, answering that by saying what Corey did was incredibly courageous. Um, that piece uh, specifically illuminates the decision he made where you know, if he contributed or committed this, uh, or made known that there's, uh, this bug, he, and it seems dramatic, but was actually risking, it could have been risking his life. Um, if somebody beat him to exploiting the bug and, you know, profiting millions off of it, um, uh, you know, cause it presumably could either have been him or he would have facilitated that. So, um, and, in, in walking through his thought process, he said something that was incredibly poignant, and he said something to the effect of, "If it were me working on Bitcoin Cash, I would have, I, I, I would hope that somebody who had found this, you know, in Bitcoin, uh, in Bitcoin Core, ha, ha, would come forth and you know let me know, and that is." and what's the broader thing he's saying here is this like exercise of empathy, right? He put himself in the position of the opposition or what is presumably the opposition. Um, And that's where I see a lot of this bridging the dialogue happening is forcing people to, you know, really question their priors uh, as opposed to just looking to confirm them and really asking themselves, like, if I was in, you know, this Ethereum developer's position, um, w- like, w- why would I be building this project? Where am I seeing this value being derived from? And, and from the opposite side, right? Like if you are, um, an Ethereum maximalist asking yourself, like, you know, does sound money, um, starting as a store of value is wealth preservation. Is this, you know, the end all be all like, why would a Bitcoin maximalist, um, be, uh, so passionate about this one use case, right? Or why is it that, um, this community is, uh, uh, you know, passionate about this, um, uh, about Bitcoin and, and really just, uh, just seeing what projects are going on in each space. And hopefully what that does is pique curiosity, um, as opposed to mm-hmm. ignite, uh, debate or, um, not so much debate. I do like debate, um, not so much ignite, uh, more of these like tribalistic behaviors or attacks.
1: Yep, yep, I like that. I think that there's a, I agree, I super agree with the word curiosity there. And I think that that is in some ways what Token Daily can do long term is um, surface high enough quality content so that even if you're a XYZ maximalist and you see an ABC, a piece about ABC being an actual good thing, then you can be like, oh my god, this is actually really cool. Um, so let's stay on that for a second. So, I mean, when I, when you all at um, Token Daily, when I, you know, in January, when you, when you like released, when you said, hey, we're doing Token Daily, I was pretty skeptical. I was like, oh man, like another <laughs> newsletter kind of thing and like the front page of crypto, but like, isn't Twitter the front page of crypto? And so like, I was skeptical but then over time i feel like you guys have done a really good job of uh of 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 actually doing signal to noise within the space so tell me how does and and you talked about this a bit in terms of like trying to create these balanced viewpoints but how do you um how do you actually like kind of surface and and look through the sea of 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 information that there is and kind of surface the best stuff to the top
0: Right, Um, and that seems to be the billion dollar question, um, at least as it pertains to crypto blockchain media. Um, We're in this interesting time um, where a lot of the people producing great media um, are not interested in being in the business of media. So um, these people are writing um, interesting pieces and doing excellent research. And publishing that not for the intent of being journalists, right, but for the intent of um, making their research on their own protocols public or, you know, to signal um, high quality or critical thinking in order to raise for their funds or something of that nature. Um, And so what ends up happening, though, is um, regardless of their intent or the means by which they're writing, you do start recognizing who the leaders in the space are, um, at least who the vocal ones are. And um, they do an excellent job curating um, their resources. So you, you start with them. Uh, and this is uh, thinking back to how um, I started, right, and how a lot of um, other users that um, have, uh, you know, they're now active on Telegram, they're uh, sourcing Gitter. Uh, they're now a lot further on. But when you're starting, um, it's to recognize who is curating high-quality content consistently um, and then going to those sources a lot of times, you'll find they come directly from projects' blogs. You'll find that a lot of reputable VC firms have invested in these projects, um, and you can find them there. And then go find their blogs there. Um, all following them on um, Gitter going to their Discord channels, talking to developers in the community if you have access, or just emailing them, um, finding out what projects they're excited about um, and why. And, um, making sure when you do read, you know, a CoinDesk article or, um, anything on CoinTelegraph that you're actually clicking the links and, um, looking at the source as well as looking at the comments around, um, what people are saying. And that way you can start, you know, differentiating what's noise and what's signal, um, based on your own research. Um, I'd encourage critical thinking. I think where it fundamentally breaks down is people will look at headlines and, um, either form an opinion right there or click at the article and read the first few paragraphs, um, and, uh, passively consume that and adopt that as their own opinion, as opposed to critically think about what the piece is actually saying, who wrote it, um, what incentives they have, um, and, uh, in, in putting it out there. So, um, I'd recommend first, you know, finding the actual, um, uh, curators and leaders in the space looking at the sources and articles that they publish and that they promote and then also doing your own research looking at the sources that those articles include um and then going from there
1: yep i like that so and I, i think that there's a the, it reminds me of two things. One is when you talk about finding the curators first it's this weird, we're in this weird new world of distributed trust where instead of um, having our traditional centralized um, institutionalized trust where you say hey I'm going to go to New York Times or I'm going to go to maybe even something like Coindesk to get my my information. Instead you say hey I'm going to look at across these 10 curators who have been shown to curate generally well in the past, what are they curating? Um, and, and you kind of it's this weird new version where the the, the trust instead of it existing within a centralized thing is existing within kind of uh, the network itself. And I feel like the other key part of that that you hit on is um, making sure that you ask what the people's incentives are um, because so often uh, people are saying things and and then you have to know, you can't just look at what they're writing, but you also have to know who are they and what is the institution that they exist within uh, because then I can tell you are, what are they incentivized to say. Precisely. Um, so is that is there is there something for you Is there a difference between the way that you curate and then also the way that token daily
0: curates? Um, So in both instances, uh, I'm a firm believer in dog fooding. And so in both instances, it's primarily using our platform, right? So for the token daily newsletter, um, we're consistently linking back to the news items that populate on our actual feed. Um, And, that's generally where I'm getting my news as well. You know, we've already done the work of whitelisting, you know, these leaders in this space, um, and these sources where these, where this information comes from. So, um, those have already been vetted as reliable. Um, and then, uh, taking the screening one step further and making sure all the, uh, the sources that they are referring to, um, say what they're actually saying. Um, well, I take it one step further, I suppose, in that um, I'm actually, you know, digging through people's likes on Twitter, which we don't display on our wow. tokenism platform. Wow,
1: that's pretty aggressive. <laughs>
0: it is, but you have to do the work, right? Um, uh, it, you know, I, and I recognize the privilege in this, um, but I do have access to, um, you know, the founders of projects. So when something comes up about the project, like, uh, for instance, um, when the controversy around uh, Zcash locking their forum thread uh Mm -hmm. over uh you know proposal came about um i was directly talking to um the team to figure out what was going on there we were able to uh report on it in a way that was objective and um presented the facts as were and not sensationalized um as i found a lot of uh twitter users (laughs) made it out to be it really seemed apocalyptic at the end (laughs) like you thought people's lives were on the line um yeah uh, so, uh, uh, and directly going into, um, these discord and getter channels and seeing, um, what people are discussing, uh, is the work I do. Um, and that's, that's generally how I curate a uh, signal from the noise.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like it's, um, I personally have never, uh, gone to, into people's Twitter likes. I will say, I'll say that. <laughs> I think that that's good, but I think that I've never made that final step. Cryptocurrency is vibrant and exciting, but it's not without its share of bad actors. Exchanges and personal accounts can get hacked. Computers can be infected with malware. Left unprotected, your digital wealth is up for grabs. Don't let yourself be a victim. Keepy is the safest and simplest way to protect your Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and other tokenized assets. This hardware wallet is a separate device that you control. Brought to you by the pioneering team at Shapeshift, KeepKey works with the wallet software on your computer to manage your private keys and transactions. Your device is pin protected which provides protection if it falls into the wrong hands. Its large display lets you carefully view and approve every transaction, and if your KeepKey is ever lost or stolen, you can safely recover your device without compromising its private keys. The bottom line? You'll sleep easier knowing that your digital wealth is safe and secure. Visit keepkey.com to order yours today and use the code humanist10 for a limited time 10% discount. Is there a? Do you think so? The other thing that's weird here is there's all these other there's all these other newsletters and this there's like token economy there's proof of work there's this week in Ethereum there's a bunch of there's other these other newsletters I think um pomp on Twitter he has one that he charges like fifty dollars a month for his newsletter it's like that's kind of aggressive um. Is there and, and there's starting to be these new newsletters, specific newsletters, the Zero X relayers, the NFT newsletter, the proof of stake newsletter, um, with all, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Token Daily right now is just a daily newsletter, not a weekly. Is that right?
0: Yes. Okay, sweet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. And is there? So, how do you see? Huh, I guess I mean, is Token Daily going to? are you all going to compete on the weekly newsletter cycle? Are you going to make, you know, like how does, um, how would you see yourself kind of co-evolving with these other newsletters as they pop up?
0: That's an excellent question. Um, and it is a running joke that there are more newsletters than there seem to be DAP users and <laughs> yeah, DAPs yeah. in general. Um, I approach it more from an abundance mindset in that, um, There can be, it it truly isn't a competition. Um, There are, uh, the more curation that's going on in the space, one speaks to the amount of activity that's happening in the space, which is a great signal. Um, Second part to it is in more traditional industries, we have, you know, we have Phenomize, we have Morning Brew, we have The Skim, we have Stratechery. And um, I don't hear discussions or questions around, you know, which newsletter will win uh, amongst those, because mm-hmm. it's a kind of an absurd question, right? They each have a nuance yeah. or they each cover things that are, uh, a little different. And it's the same in the crypto space as well. Um, we, for instance, um, are more community driven and, uh, avoid reporting on pricing. And those are two specific things that, um, we made clear from, from the get go. Um, Whereas, you know, uh, Pomp's newsletter provides great uh, market analysis at the top and really has uh, more of these traders and uh, institutional investors understanding the space, especially within the framework um, of these legacy institutions, which is great for on-ramping um, and as a different financial perspective, um, as well as, uh, you know, proof of work is more of a technical flavor. So um, if you're interested in what, the projects are doing on a ground level, like you're hearing straight from the developers and straight from their comms team to understand what they shipped that week. Um, and then there's this pressure, right. At the end of every week, cause they're not only, yeah. uh, announcing things based on whenever they have updates. It's, you know, what have you done this week? So there's another, there's another layer to proof of work. That's genius. Um, is, and uh, token economy. What I applaud Stavano for doing is, uh, you know, they have an opinionated r- recaps and whereas, you know, we mm. keep it pretty, um, we like to keep it uh, a little bit more balanced, so we'll allow the readers to moralize for themselves. But uh, what I love about token economy is that um, they pro- they provide opinions. Um, so you're uh, it, it sparks a lot of great discussion, um, and you know they're on a weekly cadence, um, and that's different as well. So there are uh, there's something great about all these newsletters, and I think for a full picture, um, we end up finding people subscribe to. Um, many if not all
1: um yeah yeah Yeah, i agree with that it's it's funny because um there's a as you say it's yeah you can bucket them all in the same thing but like they are very differentiated from each other i think you did a good job of differentiating them um is there one by the way uh, that is there a newsletter that i didn't list that you also um consume by the way
0: um i love tony shang's newsletter
1: Oh, nice. I didn't know he made one. Okay. That's great. It
0: is purely, uh, it is like a blog post. Um, it's his blog post, but in an email form and it goes straight to your inbox. Um, but uh, have you, do you uh, read his blog posts? I,
1: I know Tony stuff. So you're, it's, it is just his blog posts. He's not actively curating things. It's more his ideas. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah. So it's his blog posts and email form and they go straight to your inbox. Um, yeah.
1: I like that. I'll, I'll check that. But no others that are at the curation level, Would you is, is that true?
0: Um, there's uh, Joyce runs. Um, there's one that bridges the, uh, a, the Asian world, as well as um, the Western world. Uh, a lot it translates uh, Chinese and in, uh, news into um, English, and that's Global Coin Research. Uh, that one's mm. pretty under the radar. Um, I know a few, uh, like I know Linda subscribes as well, and um, we find that incredibly useful.
1: Cool, cool. Okay. So we all check that one out. Um so and a thing that you were talking about there was we're gonna transition to a section that we've never done before in this in this podcast, which is uh and it's and it's completely and totally stolen um from uh Tyler Cohen, Tyler Cowen, uh in it's the underrated, overrated section. So we're just gonna do some kind of hot takes here where I'm gonna say something and then you're gonna tell me uh whether you think it's overrated or underrated and then give a little bit of texture. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Okay, sweet. So um, so the first one is, uh, we'll talk about some memes. So do you think hodl as a meme, is that underrated or overrated?
0: <laughs> overrated. But I want to explain purely in just how often it's used. Um, but I do believe it's important, right? So it can be overrated, but still important. Um, store value, incredibly important. Um, I think holding yeah. is a utility. And a lot of people don't recognize that because I don't think they've been in a position where they understand how important it is. But, you know, if you are in uh, Turkey or in Venezuela, you understand the whole thing is the utility.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's funny because uh, the store of value, you're correct in saying that store of value maps onto HODL. I don't know if there's a meme that maps onto medium of exchange, you know? (laughs) There's nothing like Spindle or whatever. Um, The turtle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so is there so? The second one, the the maybe the second biggest one is Biddle as a meme. Do you think that's underrated or overrated?
0: Biddle is becoming overrated. I, I think it's still it's Yo. and it's I don't know what the bridges between underrated and overrated. It's just rated. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting <laughs> that uh, Biddle is actually being positioned as a, an attack on Bitcoin maximalists recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. In that um, you know you're applying the same framework, inverting the L. Um, but then also uh, attacking them for not actually uh, what's perceived as innovating, right? And In that you're actually building, whereas others are uh, holding, which could be perceived as lazy or whatnot. So it's actually interesting. There's this uh, there's this debate uh, coming about around Biddle versus HODL.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I feel like Biddle is... Um, and the weird thing is, it it started primarily within like the Ethereum ecosystem, and then as it, it was funny to see it kind of spread because now like Ethereum Classic is using is 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 using hashtag biddle on Twitter a lot. Or I see like people from like the Lightning Network using hashtag biddle. So it's like it's interesting to see because everybody can biddle. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like that, but hopefully more people biddle. Okay. Do you think crypto Twitter as an entity, aka all the crypto people on Twitter chatting with each other and spending their time on there, is that over underrated or overrated?
0: Can I just reject the premise and say stressful?
1: <laughs> oh, okay, wow. What just do you mean by stressful? Overrated
0: versus under. Oh, it's you know, crypto Twitter has uh, slowly devolved into this like a game of intellectual one-upsmanship, and it's mm. pretty. Uh, it's pretty tough to see you know users disparaging other projects and um, you know trying to outwit one another, um, and it's. Sometimes it's stressful to keep up with, uh, you know, all the debates that are going on. So uh, overrated or underrated, but stressful, certainly. (laughs)
1: Interesting. That's funny. So tell me, give me an example of this intellectual one-upsmanship that's happening on Oh, there.
0: I mean, just this morning, uh, just purely recency bias, um, but yeah, this yeah. uh, press-in talking about whether or not Infura is actually experiencing 8 to 10 billion requests. Um, mm-hmm. And if you actually break it down on a second-by-second level, it seems t- to imply that Infura is uh, is experiencing not. more requests than Google Search <laughs> <laughs> You're really, right. And so, um, and so there's this debate about, you know, uh, people ousting, you know, Preston, people ousting the Ethereum found. It. It's just, it's a, it's a disaster. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I guess there's, there's calling out. And I guess I, yeah, I see calling out is different than intellectual one of some Oh, in any case, um, the next underrated, overrated. Uh, and that's to be clear,
0: please. to be clear, <laughs> it, it, it's good to question it's good to question and understand like where these statistics yes. are coming from. It's an, it's another thing altogether to uh, actually call out people for uh, disparaging their character, calling them morons, etc. Yeah, et
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Do you think books as a general category are underrated or overrated?
0: Uh, books are underrated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the reading of books is underrated. Um, people do like to create lists. People do like to, uh, signal that they are reading or will be reading certain books. Yeah. But whether that, actually, whether that reading gets done uh, is, uh, is I think that something tells me that that's uh, not, uh, there's some work to be done there and I think it's underrated. And
1: so, and why why are books underrated?
0: Um, books are underrated. Uh, there's this overarching philosophy that a lot of, um, especially within the crypto community, that as soon as these books are published, the information is stale, right? That the technology yep. moves, Quick, uh, uh, more quickly than uh, publishing companies do. And I think that's false um, in that these uh, a lot of books and, um, you know, for instance, the Bitcoin standard, because um, I'm assuming a lot of these users have read it um, or your listeners have read it, um, mm-hmm. you know, go over fundamentals. Like what is money? You know, what does the history of money look like? What do we consider to be sound? You know, everything from glass beads and whatnot. So these these fundamentals don't change people's psychology around, Using products do not change, and I think in so far that you're reading this and, f- and deeply understanding what's what are other forces at play here. Um, I think that's severely underrated, um, especially books that are also not native to crypto. I highly recommend reading books on psychology, right? Reading books on governance structures, and then applying those frameworks and seeing where they work and don't work within the blockchain and crypto sphere.
1: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think, and I agree with you. Well, A, some people, um, in, not only in crypto, but in, in life in general are, you know, down prioritizing books because the other issue that people say with books is that, um, it's like taking a blog post and expanding it, you know, into a full book and like, you don't really need that or whatever um and you just have to find the correct books but i think i agree with what you're saying which is some variant on either uh like jeff bezos talking about hey instead of thinking about what will change in the future think about what won't change in the future and then kind of operate around those principles aka write around those principles Uh, and similar to like the lindy effect like a talib idea where it's like hey if there's something that's been around for a while and this book is still loved by the people or whatever then yeah you should probably read it um okay and i and one final note on that actually is um when thinking about these books is they can be, they might become out of date, but they like, they take they're a different vibe than a blog post in that they're like a curated synthesis of all the stuff that happened before them. And then to put it into a nice, small, concise form. So yeah, I, I think it's pro I'm, I'm writing a book. So I'm glad you say underrated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the final one here is um, California slash um, San Francisco slash Silicon Valley. Is that underrated or overrated?
0: I might be biased. There might be a geographical bias here in that you I am live based in San Francisco. Um, truthfully, do you think that uh, Web 3.0 Silicon Valley's effect on crypto and blockchain is underrated right now? What we are doing yeah. is effectively predicting, you know, Netflix in the 80s or at least trying to predict, you know, like, could you predict Netflix in the 80s? uh You know, we're just not right. And and, um, I think that's what a lot of us are trying to do. Right. It's like, what does this look like, uh, you know, 30 years out? And I think that um, insofar as especially with this bear market, um, it seems as though a lot of these promises and narratives around uh, distributed computers and decentralized apps um, and, you know, thinking of blockchain and crypto as um, a tech as opposed to a money um, has Pretty much uh, has been watered down, and it's lost a lot of its uh, a lot of its enthusiasm. So right now, I think it's a little underrated. <sighs>
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, and I think that the, I mean, Silicon Valley. It's like a weird thing where you have, um, in, in, with talking to people, it's like yes, the initially it may have started elsewhere, but there's so much inertia there that it's like wow, there's so many good developers, there so many good people there that are working on this stuff, and as you say, there are people there that were part of the internet cycle that you can look back to and like look for them for help with whatever in this future kind of cycle. So okay, well, thank you for playing that game. <laughs> um, let's transition. Um, Um, back kind of out into token daily and and specifically the kind of content um that you guys have out there and actually let's start with uh suna you said that you in general you guys just curate content but you said that you are writing a uh, a piece what what is that uh
0: so um yeah we generally uh curate Um, i like to really uh, it's all about the community as opposed to me pushing my own uh thoughts on the community i'd like to especially surface rising stars that generally fly under the radar Um, but uh i am writing a piece um and uh this is tugging and pulling on that thread around you know what if we question our views and question our assumptions and so the title is you know can ethereum be a sound money Um, And then it walks through the mechanisms that need to be in place for ETH to become a sound money. And um, one of those, and this is giving a little peek, I don't want to go too in depth, but um, one part of it is, you know, do you have a credible monetary policy specifically? Is there a mechanism in place where you can predict inflation or inflation approaches zero? Right. And so um, there's, one uh, argument where you know the Ethereum Ice Age will uh, lead to that, and um, that's one thing I discuss. Um, uh, in addition to in, to in addition to others, and what's um, even more interesting is I've asked my Bitcoin maximalist friends to review it, and it was not met with um, any. At first, you know they were intrigued, and um, and a few of them commented like, "This is actually very interesting. I'm glad we're having this thought exercise." Because it does make mm-hmm. you question um, your fundamentals.
1: Yeah, interesting. So it's a is eth a sound? My, and what is the answer? <laughs> or should <laughs> we have to? wait? Do we have to, right to wait?
0: The podcast. One other thing that's really interesting, um, <laughs> uh, especially in this, you know, uh, winner takes like you know, money is a winner and winner takes all uh, yep. framework. Is um, we do I find a lot of uh, Bitcoin supporters lean on this crutch of oh well Lindy effect right but you know if you're thinking mm-hmm. on a hundred year thousand year scale um, you know how powerful is the Lindy effect how powerful is like a few year head start really right um, so th- yep. it, you know things like where you adjust your horizons and what horizons are you actually talking about so I'm excited to uh, excited to write that and yeah, get it out into the world soon.
1: Okay. I, I, I will retweet or I will like it when it <laughs> happens. Um, or I will check it out first. Um, so what kind of, so beyond your own content, what kind of content, I mean, there's stuff that you all have already posted, but I'm actually interested in this question a little bit more. What are the things that you are looking for people to write on? What are things you're like, Ooh, we want these kind like this kind of content or whatever.
0: So the type of content I generally look for, um, are macro-level pieces, ones that really dissect trends. Um, and anything that draws on patterns and trends in the space um, is something that I'm very fond of evaluating first, um, as well as problems in the space, um, specifically you know around uh, biases that we have, um, around uh, tribalistic behaviors, Um, around uh, incentives. Um, Specifically, I'd like to see a piece on incentive alignment. Um, You know, why do we conflate incentives with monetary rewards? Um, You know, Mm -hmm. if you look to what incentivizes uh, open source or like, you know, FOSS developers, um, it's not necessarily, you know, there are non-economic incentives. There's this duty to a community. There's duty to creating something bigger than yourself looking at those types of pieces, um, would, uh, th- those are the types of pieces that I happily, um, encourage.
1: Got it. So macro stuff and then, um, problems, issues, incentives, stuff like yes. that. Um, that makes sense. And is there, what are some of your recent, um, favorite token daily articles?
0: this one's a tough question. <laughs> it's like,
1: yeah, it's like you have to choose one of your, yeah, my favorite and, and just to note to the listeners, Tsuna loves all of the things that happen, you know?
0: Yeah. It's a tough question. It's like being asked which, uh, which kid's your favorite. Um, so exactly. I'll take a more data driven approach to answer this one. And um, nice. some of our more popular blog posts, um, one of them uh, was free company by Joel Carlson. And um, the piece goes through a system that matches up, you know, this like pent up supply of talent, uh, in the dev world, but as well as like, you know, in marketing and, uh, design, um, with rampant demand from actual protocol projects. Um, and so she imagines this world where there's an entity or entities that bring together, um, top talent, um, and match them with top projects in the world, allowing contributors to, you know, freely, uh, you know, access the ecosystem, contribute, um, for wherever Uh, demand is needed within that project. And you're able to be contracted and work collaboratively across the space. Um, I love Jill's piece because it's imagining a different future, right? Um, It's taking these trends towards like digital nomadism, towards these decentralization of projects through um, the habits in which we work, you know, the freelancer, this seems to be the age of the freelancer and contributors. And so if we keep tugging at this trend, like what does that look like at scale? Is there a future where there's such thing as a free company? Um, and as she was writing this piece, I was thinking about, you know, even one step further is like, is there a place where, you know, these contributors are anonymized, right? And they have, you know, are, it's based on their reputation, right? Let's let's find a way to tokenize this, right? Like, I mean, do they have like a token or do they have a way to, um, uh, a way to, greater evaluate their actual work and not tether it to their identity um based on you know their name or you know who they seem to be so th- there's a lot of interesting um prophesizing that could happen um with that piece and that i think it resonated with the user base because it imagined a different future than the one we have now um, and that's it takes a lot of creativity original thinking and um as well as you know reflection on patterns another piece that was um uh, what really well received was false precision by Ariana Simpson. Um, and the thesis of that piece is that it's essentially better to be, you know, imprecisely, imprecisely, but directionally right than to be precisely wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. there, uh, in, in, in it, Ariana encourages investors to get comfortable with, um, being uncertain in a space and, um, at a high level, just to note, I love that, you know, on uh, Jill's side it's more catered towards the developers right and the founders and the builders and then Ariana's is you know speaking to the investors so I like that it, it, it seems to cover a wide wide user base um, anyway but uh, Ariana's piece um, talks about how we end up measuring things that are easiest to measure but we are emitting things that are important but pretty difficult to quantify when we evaluate what projects to invest in. Um, And so, you know, you could easily see a DApp has high usage, right? But if you're not accounting for how difficult it is to install MetaMask, right? Or how like 80% or, you know, that data point may be stale now, but like 80% of, you know, user drop-off happens then, and that wasn't something you were measuring because you weren't thinking through the psychology of the user trying to actually use the DApp, then that wasn't something you were accounting for um, when you're thinking about the future of like, uh, the point there being is to like expand expand what you're actually evaluating and be comfortable with the uncertainty that, you know, if this doesn't get yeah. fixed, it, you know, we may or may not uh be the narrative that wins, may or may not be the um the exact project that is going to, you know, bring in the cash flow or um yeah, And she also, you know, touches on velocity of tokens and, you know, can we, like, even agree with, like, what that actually means and yeah. how, how are you actually capturing value there, right? Like, and, you know, is that market, is it as a velocity as it applies to the market or velocity as it applies to the token? So, that, uh, that post I especially loved because it... It's, it runs orthogonal to what, you know, people take comfort in numbers. It runs orthogonal to what you believe to be true. And I like that it challenged this preconceived notion of, yeah, you need to have the data, you need to be making, you need to have these formulas. And it's like, no, uh, you actually don't. Like, have a basis of what you believe is going to be true and account for the things that are more qualitative than quantitative, especially in this nascent um, market and don't over-index on data points.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think it's like it reminds me a bit of some more Taleb stuff, where it's like it, anti-fragility as a context or as a as a con concept doesn't say hey you need to predict all the things that happen um, and then account for them. Instead, it says hey, what are the things? Assume there's going to be lots of change and uncertainty, and make yourself something that um, when all that change and uncertainty happens, you result positively. Precisely. From it. So and I like it can that. I also, stronger
0: for it. Right
1: exactly exactly um uh and and i like the free company one a lot by jill um it's very aligned with um yeah i mean you can the world likely is going in a direction kind of like that uh and we're starting to see some bits and pieces of it within the the crypto world where people are starting to get paid in some weird ways for doing open source development and and there are these new digital nomads and so there's lots of freedom that exists there well with that Suna thank you um if you so I guess for my listeners a you should go to um if you're not starting your day your crypto day already with TokenDaily.co. um you should go and do that and Suna where can people find you on twitter
0: oh yeah um so my handle is Suna or later that's s-o-o-n-a-o-r-l-a-t-e-r
1: nice because her name is suna <laughs> um <laughs> good perfect um well suna thank you again and so much for being on the show today
0: thank you so much really appreciate it
1: sweet um and by the way listeners one final note if you want to support me as a weird new form of a free company um then you can support me on patreon that's patreon.com slash rishly That's slash r-h-y-s-l-i-n-d-m-a-r-k okay goodbye